Welcome back to Redbird Report. I am your host, Scott Prerost, as always, and with me I have my sports editor, Reed Watkins. How's it going, Reed? Always excited to talk ISU sports. Always excited. Uh, we'll dive right in. Um, start with the hottest team in ISU sports right now, ISU Volleyball, with four straight wins all coming in MVC play after that weekend sweep to uh, Drake and UNI to open conference play. Um, but it looks like a different team right now. Um, a lot more energy, um, a lot more excitement among the team. Um, I think they've won, is it 11 straight sets? 11 straight sets, yeah. 11 straight sets for Redbird Volleyball. An incredible tear. And, yeah, I, they're getting they're getting into a rhythm a little more, I would say. Um, a little more consistency. I think maybe you were picking and playing um, during non-conference play, kind of figuring out your lineups and everything like that, and now you're having to figure out a little more consistency because you can't keep switching that up as much in conference play if you want to have success. Um, but, no, it's working. Um, sweeps over Valparaiso and UIC this past weekend. Uh, what a weekend for them, and what do you got for us, Reed? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So got to go to the game at Valpo and um, Kara Cooper returning there. I mean, the vibes were just high, and that's what Coach Matters keeps saying is the vibes in the program are very high right now, and it's an exciting time to be following this team, especially seeing from where they've come from is the big thing is, I mean, you had a really tough start, but you turned around and now you're thriving in the Missouri Valley Conference. So, um, like I mentioned, Kara Cooper um, really standing out at the right side. And then um, I think Emily Weber, I just had a feature story today, um, subtle plug, but Emily Weber has really stepped up and um, you can see her performance is helping the outside hitters and their performance is helping her. And it's just, building on each other and all good things right now for Redbird Volleyball. Um, Bella Zeman has stepped up as the second outside hitter, and that has been huge. Just knowing who you're going to set to is such a boost um, and what they want. And being consistent has been such an uh, improvement for this team. So you have Bella Zeman stepping up, but you also have people like Ali Sala, freshman outside right side hitter, and um, – other players who come in for what they call special teams points, just sub in off the bench, get one play, get one kill, you're right back out, but you make a positive impact on the game using those substitutions effectively. I think that's where you're seeing the team. It's um, You have the consistent lineup, and then you also have people stepping up in their limited time and making a difference. Yeah, definitely. And you're doing it at the perfect time because you're in a stretch here of winnable games. Um, Belmont and Murray State, you already beat each of those teams. You swept Belmont, took um, down Murray State in five sets on their home court. Uh, like I think you were mentioning beforehand, Bradley hasn't won in conference play yet. Um, Evansville's 2-5 and five in conference play. Um, and then Indiana State, and all five of those games are on your home court. You're in a stretch that you kind of need to take advantage of like right now. If you are going back on that Iowa trip and you're sitting – nine and two in mm. conference play that looks incredible and then you're back to 11 and 12 overall as well like and it's hard to win that many straight matches but if you do the amount of momentum you have going into Iowa is uh is going to be huge for this team and they need it right now right I mean the fact that they are sitting at fourth in the conference half a game behind Murray State for third place um behind those Iowa teams like you just mentioned just people don't expect them to be there and um they don't care (laughs) frankly like uh, uh, it was easy for fans to give up on this team 
Um, not saying anyone did, of course, but um, seeing the record, seeing the tough start, it was easy to kind of throw see this as a throwaway year, but they kept talking about, you know, regular season is the Missouri Valley Conference, and they stayed true to that. And to that point, they're doing it all without Reagan Haith still, an all-MBC freshman team uh, honoree in last year, and she's missed since the Illinois game, I think. So, um, yeah, they Cassie Jordan stepped up, been outstanding, and now you might not have known it before. Now you know you have three middle blockers who are capable of stepping up and playing extremely well. And that's kind of the the motto among the entire team is they have the depth they didn't have last year. So if someone can't perform, if someone's having an off night, someone else can, and they know that. So that's going to inspire you to play better. And from the coaching side, they have options knowing that, you know, if someone's struggling, they can get pulled. And it's at every position we have seen that this year. Um, from hitters to setters to middle blockers to you name it, if you don't perform, someone else is going to be there to step up. Yeah, and that, that's the good thing to see about this team. You have a lot of youth. You have the veteran pieces that you've brought in um, throughout the transfer portal. Um, but this team is really finding its groove. It's at the perfect time. Like I said, you have a five-match home stretch here coming up. Um, you're about to play three matches in four days, which I think is going to be a real test for this team. Uh, Belmont, Murray State, and Bradley, uh, Friday, Saturday, Monday, respectively. Um, but no, this team, it's headed in the right direction. Um, you needed some patience, and I think that non-conference play and those first two matches of conference play were the best thing that could have happened to this team because it's a tough schedule that they put mm-hmm. together, and we talked about that over and over again. It's a tough schedule you put together, so they, they knew what that elite-level competition looked like, and now they're playing at the level they know they need to play to win against maybe the middle of the pack teams in this conference if they want to make the tournament um, and avoid missing it two straight years. But the way they're starting right now, it, it's exciting to see for this team. Exactly. And, I mean, we talked about it. The second you know you're not really gunning for an at-large bid to the tournament, all that matters is conference play, and they know that. And, you know, they put themselves in a position to compete in – MVC play and they've done exactly that so I'm I don't want to look past this Belmont matchup but I am extremely excited to see Murray State come in here uh, just a week removed from the five set three hour match that happened um, on their home court and they're going to be upset about it they're going to come in and be ready to you know get back at the Redbirds you know anytime you have these road swings where you take one on their home court and they get to come into your place, it's just a whole new energy. And I think you're going to see that um, both from Belmont and Murray State this weekend. I'm also excited about the game time because it's going to be that tough. In my memory, this was the toughest time to play last year after the homecoming football game, after the homecoming parade that morning that they walk in. You know, how do you keep that energy up when – Quite honestly, there might not be many fans in the stands that are willing to, you know, sit through all the homecoming festivities and then get to a volleyball game on Saturday night. We'll see what the crowd looks like, and I'm excited to see how this team responds when they need to come with energy on Saturday night. Yeah, definitely. Like we said, Belmont Friday, 6 p.m., Murray State Saturday, 7 p.m., Bradley Monday, 6 p.m., all at home, so make sure to get out and support them. Um they're looking like a different team right now from what we saw most of last year and early this year, and it's it's an exciting see, thing to see for this program. 
but we'll move on. Um, dive into ISU Swim and Dive starts off their season this past weekend, a dominant win. Um, and it was a lot of the names that we saw last year. Um, Madison Morse and uh, Eva Reyes are the two names to most notably look at, but they over doubled Eastern Illinois score. And uh, because of that, Eva Reyes did win Diver of the Week, which was announced about 45 minutes ago. So a really good start to the season. Um, this program last year was really good. And what I liked about them last year is, and swimming and diving as a whole, is usually your schedules are going to be a little more competitive. I believe last year they were in a tournament where they played three ranked teams in a single mm. tournament. I believe it was Utah, Kentucky, and Illinois. Mm. I think we're all in the same tournament. So a really exciting start to the season for them. Um, like I said, Eva Reyes is the name that you're going to hear over and over and over again this year. Um, she won Diver of the Week just about any every week I can remember last year, and then she starts off this year with another honor. Absolutely. I mean, just rename it the Eva De- Reyes Diver of the Week Award at this point. Like, she is so dominant, and um, across every athlete at ISU, she just comes to mind every time we talk about swimming and diving. But even just as a top class athlete at Illinois State University. I, it's hard to find people that do what they do better than Eva Reyes does. And I'm um, just so excited to have her there. Um, and then Sean Sullivan getting his first yeah. head coaching win was awesome to see and um, in the interim role. And I mean, it's just an exciting program to be around. They're still looking for an assistant coach right now. And, um, but I mean, it's not slowing them down clearly. And, Excited to see where that goes. Excited to see if he is a candidate for the head coaching spot. I'm not quite sure about that right now. Um, but, I mean, clearly by, by that display, there's no reason he shouldn't be. So um, excited for swim and dive and a great way to start the season. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, they won 15 of the 16 events. Eva Reyes won both diving, 1-meter and 3-meter. Uh, Madison Morris got the win in the 100-yard breaststroke with just over – it was 1 minute 5.8 seconds. Um, Cassidy Carey got a win, Diana Walker got a win, um, and then some freshmen and transfers as well. So a balanced attack, um, a dominant win. You can't ask to start a season a better way, in my opinion. Um, but now they got to continue to do that. Um, they go to Ohio um, this weekend, um, tomorrow and Saturday, 4 p.m. Friday and 11 a.m. Saturday. They'll be at Athens, Ohio um, for a little two-day meet. Um, they just have to keep it up from there. Um, we knew what this program was capable last year. Obviously, losing your head coach um, to a Power 5 school like Kentucky like they did um, hurts, but Sean Sullivan saw what they did last year. He's stepping up, and uh, I think you have an exciting season ahead for this program. Uh, we'll move on again. Um, ISU women's tennis, um, some early action at the MVC individual championships. Um, Kalarovic and Sons each got wins of their own in singles. Um, a really strong weekend there. Um, and then Tiana Zlatanovic um, got a third-place finish as well. Um, a strong strong weekend, I would say, to say the least. Um, early in the year, obviously, you don't get quite as many matches pre-December, um, and that's how it is with a lot of sports, um, a lot of these fall sports. Um, but they have the ITA Midwest Regionals here. Um, I believe they start today, actually. Um, and they go on until Monday. Um, and then they have the Michigan State Duels. Um in November, and then they get the break. So, uh, like I said, uh, I mean, a really good start here. Um, you had the Redbird Invitational, no team score, and the individual championship, no team score. Um, and then I don't think there'll be a team score at the ITA Midwest Regionals either. So it, you're not going to get a great grasp of where the team stands as a whole, but individually you're seeing some really good performances. 
Yeah, no doubt. And I would say, like, if there were a team score at the Redbird Invitational, it's pretty clear they would have won yeah, it. Um, definitely. And now you go and play singles, you get Nevin Klarovich and Nuria Sanz taking home titles in their respective flights. I think that says a lot because this team's strength has to be doubles. Like, their doubles teams are what make them such a threat, and it's tough that it's only worth one point when you get to those duels in the um, the regular season. But I think that this team has what it takes to make them a threat um, in the MVC. And, like, it's so clear that uh, Maya Kovacek doesn't lose <laughs> in MVC play. Like, she's so dominant if you look at her record. Um, her program's going to be right back where it was it seems like that's the initial indication from their early contests, and I'm excited to see how it goes for this team because they can compete with just about anyone because they brought in those two transfers and um, Sans and Lana um, Kolkovich. I'm not exactly sure how to say it, but um, brought them in both from North Carolina A&T, if I'm not mistaken, and they've been outstanding additions, um, and I just think you're going to continue to see this team beating good programs and competing with good programs as we get deeper in the season and they have a chance to do that um with a couple a couple appearances at michigan state coming up yeah definitely um one thing i think is a little underrated when you look at it um we talked about and you kind of wrote about it um tara damjanovic being like on the staff and you Mm -hmm. look at like the men's basketball program and i know andrew dockage didn't play with that team but he's a young presence on there where you're, mm-hmm. you're it's almost like a friend it's a little more of a better relationship that you're able to create and with Demjanovic having played with just about everyone on this roster it allows you to just get a stronger relationship with her as well um I think it's always an advantage on a staff and I think Maya Kovacek has created that relationship as well but just having that young presence on the staff a little more relatable um I think I think it might be something you see make an impact on this team as the season goes on. But like you said, I mean, you can't ask for a much better start for them so far. Um, but now they have a few matches um, in East Lansing, Michigan, at Michigan State, um, the ITA Midwest Regionals, and then uh, the Michigan State Duels as well um, before a long break until we get into uh, more match play um, in late January. Yeah, absolutely. It's a close-knit group, and um, I did. I had a feature story on Tara Danjanovic, the former, you know, um, top doubles, half of the number one doubles team in the MVC, um, ending that run with Tiana Zlatanovic last year. Now an assistant coach. This team is just so close-knit, and it's because of those relationships that they're able to um, – they're very able to call each other out when needed, be super honest with each other. They know what to expect from one another. And that just makes it so much better when you're competing and you can, you know what you're expecting and you know the standard of excellence that's been set. You have someone that's done it before leading you. Um, so, yeah, it's just such an exciting time for this program. And that hire was outstanding. I'm just excited to see how that uh, formulates and see how Tara does as a coach down the line. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll move on. Um, ISU men's and women's golf both take runner-up finishes. Both have individuals um, tying or winning the individuals. Um, we'll start with women's golf as Jin Young Yoon um, takes the individual crown and ISU takes second at the Coyote Creek Classic this past weekend. What a start to the season this women's golf team has had. I mean, you had the second place finish this past weekend. 
only eight teams, but still a second place finish. Um, you had the second place finish at the Redbird Invitational in your first meet of the year, and then you started in 13th, dead last at the Johnny Imes Invitational, and then you climbed to eighth there. A great bounce back performance there. Um, you're seeing the name, same names, like we said, Yoon. Um, I believe that's her second uh, MVC golfer of the week honor. Yep. Um, and then you had that f- feature article on her, and she's been amazing for this team. Um, as the transfer, and then you're Venetia Gunasilin and Allie Schrock and Danny Gray Schrock, a lot of the names that we saw last year, and, of course, Avalon Woodward mm-hmm. as well. So you have Yoon stepping up and kind of taking charge early this year, but you're having a lot of the names from last year step up and do their job as well, and that's that's what's scary about this team. This was a really competitive team last year, and I think they might have gotten better. Right. I mean, it's the dream as a coach just to have – so many different players that you can rely on you know if someone's um almost like volleyball how we were just talking about if someone's not doing it you have someone that you can insert into the lineup that's going to give you results and it's just you have so many options on this team and that's what makes college golf so exciting is because it's scored as a team sport you get to see how they come together and how they you know can help each other when it's typically thought of as an individual sport they're crafting one of the most interesting storylines um in ISU athletics that I'm excited for because that first they host Bradley and other teams the Redbird Invitational take second to the Braves they go to Bradley's um, Coyote Creek Classic take second to the Braves but instead of even finishing second to a Bradley golfer she beats her out for the individual title and now I mean it's way down the road but when we get to that MVC championship they have a t- chance to top a team that they've finished runner-up to twice already this season in each other's respective uh, golfing you know, tournaments that they're hosting. So I'm really excited to see. They have a chance to knock off Bradley. It was so tight um, in the field at the Coyote Creek Classic. I'm excited to see them have a chance. They're going to be in Waterloo, Illinois in April um, for that MVC championship, both teams in their home state. It's going to be exciting um, to see if they can get a chance to knock off Bradley after a couple runner-up finishes early in the year. Can we talk about how impressive it is that Bradley was able to win that, considering like how just these two teams as a whole, actually, just mm-hmm. ISU and Bradley, because Yoon gets that individual title, and ISU has five of the top 12 finishers, and they still don't win yeah. the tournament. Like, Yeah, I mean, I'd rather not talk about Bradley winning anything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, no doubt, two of the top teams in the MVC and it's kind of head and shoulders it seems like above other schools <laughs> but you know it seems like the I-74 rivals are running MVC golf recently this season at least yeah definitely uh, like we said they have one more meet here in the fall uh, two weeks away from the clash at Boulder Creek in Boulder City Nevada and then they'll have the break over winter um but on the men's side, um, another successful weekend for them as well. Um, Valentin Puegnet, a great weekend for him. And we had talked about in the past about how you're kind of switching up the five golfers that you're using in each tournament. Um, I believe it's Puegnet now back-to-back weeks that he stepped up. They took mm-hmm. a tie for second at the Badger Invitational, an 18-team field, a really impressive finish there. And then another Big Ten tournament, uh, the Purdue Fall Invitational, they take second there. Um, they were tied for first after day one and then fell behind late. But Valentin Puegnet, again, goes under par. Um, and as a team as a whole, is just performing at a really high level. T.J. Barger, the transfer from, I believe it's Illinois, mm-hmm. um, 
he's performing at a high level too. So just a balance attack, kind of just like how we were talking about on the women's side as well. But back-to-back second-place finishes, and these are no pushover tournaments at all. No. I mean, Badger Invitational and Purdue Fall Invitational, these are Big Ten schools, 18 teams and 15 teams. They're playing at a high level right now. Yeah, I mean, to use a term that head coach Ray Kralis uses, they're scuba diving. Like That's how low they're going right now. Uh, Valentin Pogna obviously leading the charge. Um, it's been outstanding to see how this team goes. Um, him and Alex McCullough leading the charge, but there's so many options on this team as well. It's interesting to see the comparisons, um, a lot of similarities between the men's and women's golf programs here. Um, I, like You can't forget about someone like Parker Wisdom, Felix right. Van Dyke, Will Troy has been stepping up. Those uh, two, Van Dyke, and we thought Van Dyke was – you know their number one golfer all of last late last spring. You know he's has a chance to fire off low rounds. You know Parker Wisdom has a chance to lead the team some weeks. There's just different options that make it really dangerous to play this team when they are all locked in together at the same time. Yeah, definitely. It's it's been an impressive start. Like I said, three out of their four tournaments they've finished second. Um, yeah, the Island Resort Intercollegiate second out of eleven second out of 18 at the Badger, and second out of 15 here at the Purdue Fall, Fall Invitational. And then you obviously had that outlier, it seems like, with that Bearcat Invitational, 15th out of 17 teams. But, yeah, like you talked about, when you can rely on different guys each week, it gives your coach a lot more confidence in the program as a whole. Hmm. Um, but like we talked about, they only have one more meet here as well. Monday, Tuesday, they travel to Kettering, Ohio, for the Dayton Invitational before they, too, um, have the winner off before their spring season kicks off February 19th at the Border Olympics. But another strong weekend from them, um, golf teams as a whole, just a really impressive showing, to say the least. We'll move on to the ISU soccer team. Um, they went 0-1-1 this past week. Um, the loss to Murray State um, this past Sunday, um, 2 nothing loss there. Um, still a lot of good things to take away right now. Um, I mentioned it, I think it was last week, that outside of that four goals allowed against Missouri State, they haven't allowed more than two goals since August 31st, about a month and a half since they last allowed more than two goals. And that's that's a really good thing, but you're going to have to get the offense going if you want to take some of these games. Um, because in that stretch, I mean, they haven't scored more than one goal since the win over Western Illinois. So you got to find a balance between that defense and that offense, and I think that was part of the struggle last year. Um, their defense was usually doing its job, but they just couldn't find the back of the net. Um, but I think we're seeing encouraging things from this program right now. Um, you're sitting at 3-5-4 and four overall, 1-2-3 um, and three in MVC play. Um, it's, it's an encouraging sign right now for this program with just uh, four matches left in the season. Yeah, I mean – you are getting to a point where you need to see another MVC win yeah. because the draws are starting to not cut it. I mean, there's two teams without a win in the conference, um, and they are one of four teams with only one. So it's pretty top-heavy from the bottom five down. But if you grab a win, now you are sixth. You're in the um, tournament for sure um, if you can keep up that pace. So. You're getting to another point where you need to separate yourself. They had the early win. That was huge. Um, but, you know, you are getting to a point where the draws are not cutting it anymore. Um, although it's tough because you look at a team like Valpo, a draw against them on their home field feels like a win almost. Yeah. And then you have a tough 
game against Murray State where, you know, I think it was a career high for Audrey Brown in saves with eight. So um, you know, there's positives coming out of it, but, you know, if you can't score, you can't win. So um, definitely going to need to find the back of the net, like you were saying, and um, get some points on the board in order to really, you know, have a chance in these games, obviously. But um, it seems like that's the factor, just finding – who's going to step up you know um you have different players that have scored throughout the year with glover Ligori was on a tear for a second there and it's just you know who's going to be the one to you know take that ball and put it in the back of the net that's pretty much it's oversimplified but it seems like that's all you can say about it right now yeah no they're sitting in ninth like you were talking about it's weird they have 11 teams in the conference but they're currently sitting in ninth um, they've played one less conference match than the team that's ahead of them in Belmont, um, and they drew against Belmont, so that makes it hard to pass them unless you can get those wins there like you're talking about. They do have a tough stretch here. Um, two out of their last four are against the top two teams in Drake and you and I, and then they have UIC, a middle-of-the-pack team, and then Indiana State, who's yet to win in conference play. So it feels like you have to grab one of those if you do mm-hmm. want to get into the tournament and sh- break this stretch of uh, – not making their tournament that they're mm-hmm. unfortunately facing at the moment. But like we said, four more matches this year, two at home against Drake and UIC and two away at, against Indiana State and Northern Iowa. But uh, this team, regardless of how this season ends, I think it's a, a heading in the right direction, I would say, as a mm-hmm. whole for this program after what we had seen the past couple of years. Um, not great turnouts, but you're starting to climb. Um, like I said, it's a young team, young coach, a lot to look forward to, to say the least. Mm-hmm. The last thing we want to talk about today, the ISU football team falls um, to South Dakota State, the number one team in the country, a 40-21 loss. Um, Reed, you were there. Um, Mm -hmm. I was trying to keep track of it, but it was also um, my sister's wedding that day, so I wasn't able to keep a great eye on it. But uh, what did you see in that game that kind of let South Dakota State pull ahead early? Yeah, it's just the first quarter. I mean, you go down 20-0, you're fighting an uphill battle the whole time. So... They got beat uh, in the trenches. That's where the game was decided. And I think that was the key going into the game was winning the trenches. Absolutely. And, I mean, you're going up against South Dakota State. It's a, it is a tough task to say the least because not only do they have the linemen, they have the back who's going to run up and down the field. They have a quarterback who can do the same. And those twin receivers on the outside are just – it's tough to cover i mean so the second you go down against this team you can't hand them the ball you can't turn it over um you have to win the possession battle and they they didn't do that early on and um luckily for isu you you can't say that this game was over in the first quarter because it wasn't clearly they battled back and they had chances especially early in the third quarter i believe it was mason blake more um got into the end zone and they had a chance to, you know, stop them. They stopped them, right? And then they had the ball chance right. to cut it to one you know, score. Exactly, exactly. And Annex said fumbled. Um, I don't and know. On if a that fourth was, down, I think they converted. Oh, fourth, a fourth he converted down and in South Dakota State and territory. And then fumbled, right? Um, a chance to get in the red zone there, and then uh, South Dakota State missed a field goal. I don't know if that was before or after, but it was um, just a chance to get back in the game. They were given opportunities that they could not take advantage of on offense. And this has kind of been what I've been preaching this whole season um, for ISU athletics. No, not athletics, but football. You have to be able to take those shots, take the chance plays. Um, They did that 
this year, and I think you just keep, or this game, you just keep dialing those up. Um, like the trick play, it worked um, to get Anaxeta receiving really touchdown. Special, essentially, <laughs> something, yeah, something like that, and it just you gotta keep taking shots, especially when you're undermatched against a team like South Dakota State, not expect to win. Take chances on offense. Like you can't run the ball three times and go three and out. You have to give your chance to team to flip those outcomes and succeed. I think you do that by giving the ball to your playmakers in space as much as you can. And I would say through the air at that, um, just patting the ball, getting it, Sobkowitz more chances to go up and make a jump ball. He dropped two crucial ones. Um, really tough catches, as Speck has said. Like, But, you know, you expect him to make those plays um, with how good an athlete he is. So I think you just keep giving it to guys. You find people like Eddie Casper who can make three guys miss and, you know, make a play. Um, get the tight ends more involved, Cam Grandy, Javon Charles. I think you keep getting these pass catchers more involved. Um, mix that with the run, but you know, be ready to pass the ball and um, get deep against teams that you're not supposed to beat. Yeah, now, uh, I mean, I, like you said, you you don't know that they were necessarily expected to win this game, but now you're in a situation. You're three and two, and you have six games left this year. Some teams will probably make it in at seven wins, um, but those are teams who are maybe got to win against a North Dakota State or a mm-hmm. South Dakota State or just a top-ranked team. ISU's not in that position. ISU lost to Eastern Illinois, and that's going to that's gonna hurt a lot. You have to win eight games if you want. And realistically, if you win eight games, you're probably in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to go five and one, that means then. And you have Indiana State and Murray State are the two games that you need to just get ahead early and run away with the game. Those are teams that you can beat and you should beat. But then it's the other four. Youngstown State, who I believe is ranked now, Northern Iowa, Missouri State, who has struggled this year, and North Dakota. You have to find a way to take three out of four at least from Youngstown, Northern Iowa, Missouri State, and North Dakota. And it's a tough it's a tough ask, but you have to be able to do it if you want to get into the playoffs. I don't think they've been there since 2019, if I remember correctly. Um, obviously, you had the COVID year in there and then a couple of tough years in between. But coming into the season, I thought I think they thought the schedule handed to them was maybe favorable mm-hmm. in the sense where if you if you take that Eastern Illinois game, you're sitting at four and one right now, and it's a completely different look. Right. Because maybe if you compete a little better with South Dakota State and then you come in with seven wins, there's a chance you get in. But still, it's just that loss to Eastern Illinois kills because you just – Every game is a must-win at this point, mm-hmm. it feels like. Yeah, it's overshadowing the entire season, and that was the case with any of those early games. You know, if you lose one, it's going to cast a shadow on um, any positive thing that happens, it feels like. And, you know, you can say you put up 21 against South Dakota State, which ties the most they'd have allowed this season. Um, maybe you can see that more as a win, not a – I mean – if you want to talk about moral victories, but when you've lost to Eastern Illinois, that's all kind of taken away, and there's not a positive light to see stuff like that in as much. So, yeah, I mean, I think someone said this in the press conference yesterday, which I I don't know who to credit, but every game is winnable and every game is losable um, this season, which I couldn't agree more with Redbird football. Like, you have the guys. It's not a talent thing. You have the guys to go out and win against any one of these teams. You're in the toughest conference in FCS football. 
flipper result and just knock off someone like Youngstown State, like Northern Iowa, like you did last year at their place, you know, um, North Dakota State to end the season. I think if you can get one of those, you're looking good. Um, not one of those, obviously. You need to do all but one of those. And um, it's tough to rule them out of the playoffs the way with some of the things they've demonstrated this year. Um, but like you said, it's an uphill battle um, after that Eastern Illinois loss. Yep, definitely. Um, like I said, this Saturday, 2 p.m., they host Indiana State for homecoming, a game that on paper they should win. Um, and it's going to be an interesting atmosphere, I think, uh, kind of see what people, how people reacted to the South Dakota State loss. Um, I mean, you competed well, but it's a tough team there. Um, I think that's it for me. Anything mm-hmm. else from you, Reed? Um, I believe that's all I got. Yep. Like I said, we got a busy weekend ahead of us. Um, three volleyball games, a football game. Um, I believe there's a cross-country meet this weekend. A lot to uh, lot to keep track of this weekend, and you can do so on our Twitter accounts at the underscore vedette and at vidi underscore sports, and we will talk to you guys again next week.